But if you are able, I would encourage you to rise and stand as we read God's Word together from Zechariah chapter 6, verses 9 to the conclusion of the chapter. Hear the reading of God's Word. And the word of the Lord came to me, Take from the exiles Heldai, Tobijah, and Jedidiah, who have arrived from Babylon, and go the same day to the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take from them silver and gold, and make a crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord, and shall bear royal honor, and shall sit and rule on his throne. And there shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. And the crown shall be in the temple of the Lord as a reminder to Helam, Tobijah, Jediah, and Han, the son of Zephaniah. And those who are far off shall come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And this shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So far, the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for your word. And again, we are reminded that the grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but your word stands firm and true forever and ever. So Holy Spirit, take the words that you have given to us and apply them to the hearts and the lives and the souls of each person gathered here. Guide my words carry them to these people. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 39 million dollars. You may be seated, sorry. 39 million dollars consisting of five pounds of pure gold and 444 stones, both precious and semi-precious. St. Edward's crown which you see before you, the prize of the United Kingdom's crown jewels. And all these jewels, which include a scepter and various diamonds, amount to nearly $4 billion. Yes, four with a B. And the crown is the prize jewel of it all. It's arguably one of the most recognizable crowns in all of the world today. It's known throughout the world as a picture of power and prestige and nobility. The queen rarely wears the crown because it's so heavy and cumbersome. And I found a quote that she is quoted as saying, you can't imagine the the queen of England, right? You can see her face right now and you know how she talks. I'm not going to try to do a queen of England impersonation, but here you go, right? You can imagine. You can't look down to read the speech. You have to take the speech up because if you did, your neck would break and the crown would fall off. You can take the picture down. Thanks, guys. We don't know what the crown of Zechariah looks like. We don't know if it was anything remarkably or not remarkably similar to St. Edward's crown. We don't know what it was to look like. But the Lord does tell us that it was a crown that was molded and shaped out of gold and silver from the time that the people of Israel were in Babylon. For when the people were in Babylon, they, they did acquire some considerable wealth. And they brought that gold and silver back to them. And the Lord says to these gentlemen and to Zechariah, I want you to take some of this gold and some of the silver, and I want you to make a crown. I don't know if it's $39 million worth of a crown, but they were charged with making a crown fit for a king. This is a bit of what we have here. So in Zechariah 6, we have this transition 
out of visions and out of this strangeness. And now it's the Lord actually speaking to Zechariah, not through an angel, not through another a vision, but the Lord himself. And he says to Zechariah, go make a crown and take these guys and take their gold, take their silver and make this crown. The other instruction that's provided to Zechariah is not only make a crown, but I want you, once you complete this crown, I want you to give it to somebody. And this is an interesting bit of information because it would seem to suggest a completely different change of the bylaws, if you will, of the people of Israel. So what Zechariah is told to do is to take this crown, fit for a king, right? Makes sense. Go put this crown on a king. But no, the Lord says to Zechariah, take this crown once completed and put it on the head of Joshua. Well, wait a minute. We remember Joshua, right? From a few chapters ago, not Joshua from other stories in the Bible, but Joshua, the high priest. But time out, time out, time out, Zechariah. Time out, God. A priest isn't supposed to wear a crown. But yes, this is exactly what the Lord is saying to do. So per the word of the Lord, make a crown. Put it on the high priest. And the people are thinking, well, wait a minute. The crown is meant for the line of David, not the line of Levi. These were two separate and distinct rules, king and priest. Different function, different tribes. Different responsibilities, different altogether. But here the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah and says, yes, place the crown on Joshua. And our minds must be getting to ask, and we have to ask ourselves, why? Why is that? Why, why Joshua? I don't understand. But with this bit of information, we begin to see that what the Lord is communicating to Zechariah is, is not meant as an immediate action plan, but actually for Zechariah to look past and, and to look forward and, and to have encouragement and hope about something that's going to take place. It's a foreshadow of what's to play out in the lives of God's people. For there is coming a day when a man that wears this crown will build the true temple. A temple not made of bricks and mortar, but rather of flesh and blood. However, for the media context, this vision has incredible impact. It has incredible significance because the people, as we know, are literally walking through the rubble of Jerusalem, and they're charged with actually rebuilding a temple, with rebuilding the wall, with rebuilding a city. And here the word of the Lord says, somebody else is going to build a temple. I don't really quite get it. And that somebody else is not a king, by the way, not Zedekiah, but Joshua. And so it's looking forward to something else. They're, they're laboring away, and they're being told that it will be a high priest and not the king that is one who will rebuild the temple. And this, again, goes against everything that they thought to be right and true and good. The priest had a different role to play. How could it be that he wears now a crown? So this is very much a statement about a true king, a kind of king that they actually need, because let's just look at the people of Israel, right? Let's look at their immediate context of where they've been over the last couple, few decades. They went into Babylon, and if you remember, as they went into exile into Babylon, all the leaders of Jerusalem, including the king, went out the back door in the middle of the night. 
They tucked tail and they ran when Nebuchadnezzar was on the doorsteps and they were under siege. They ran away in the middle of the night. What kind of king tucks tail and runs in the middle of the night when the opposition is at their doorstep? We look back at the history of Israel, and they had some good kings, but they also had some bad kings. So they must be thinking, what kind of king and do we actually need or want? And here the Lord is saying to Zechariah, I'm going to give you a new kind of king for a new kind of kingdom for a new kind of people that live in this kingdom. Because what's happened in the past, your kings haven't done very well. And so we need a new king, a new kingdom, and a new people for a new kingdom. A true king that will govern and shepherd his people. A true king that will protect and preserve the people. A true king that will restore all things. Therefore, it's a priest king. A priest king is the perfect one to restore this temple. A priest, what's a priest's role? A priest in the Old Testament and even now today is is to be that liaison, a conduit between the Lord and his people. Someone that bridges that gap, if you will. A priest has compassion and love for the people. It's his desire that the people would be near to the Lord and the Lord would be near to them, that there would be this relationship and that they would be in the presence of the Lord. One commentator puts it this way, His rule is based not on the sword he wields against them, but on the sacrifice that he offers them. This is a king who dies to himself and for them. John 10 and 11 says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So therefore his rule is wielded in gentleness. His scepter is not the warrior's mace, nor the jeweled rod of gold, but the reed, which is the emblem of lowliness of his heart and of authority guided by love. So then it's clear then that Zechariah is looking forward to a different kind of king. Not the kind of king that they thought or thought they wanted or thought that they needed, but the kind of king that the Lord will establish. The kind of king, again, for a new kingdom and a new people to live in this kingdom. He's looking forward to the kingship of the Messiah, of Jesus. This new kingdom governed by a new king is given new life. New life to us as we read in Hebrews chapter, in Hebrews where this priest king is like that of Melchizedek. If you remember our sermon series through Hebrews a few months ago out of Genesis 14. And if you remember Melchizedek, who was Melchizedek? He was both a priest and a king. And we walk through that passage in our sermon series in Hebrews that that was the foreshadow also of looking forward to the right king, the true king, the King Jesus, our Messiah, who also is simultaneously priest and king. Melchizedek was a king of peace and for the people of Israel. Also in Hebrews, it's this union of priest and king. It's been fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. As a priest... Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice, the true sacrifice, to satisfy the judgment of the Lord's wrath against our sin, our brokenness, our rebellion. And having been raised from the dead and ascending into heaven, he presented himself as the right and true sacrifice. And he fulfilled the very role of the priest, the actual kind of priest that we needed. It was then that God, who took this priest who offered himself as a sacrifice. And do you remember what God said when Jesus ascended into heaven and 
took his place at the right hand of God, he now enthroned him as king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus was then and now priest and king. And he wore the crown. Hebrews 8 then moves us on as an almost near commentary on Zechariah chapter 6. We have such a high priest. This kind of high priest that, that Zechariah is, is talking to us about. We have such a high priest, the author of Hebrews says, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. It's the Lord who establishes his king. It's the Lord who establishes his kingdom. It's the Lord who establishes the people who live in this kingdom. This is what Zechariah 6 is showing us here this morning. You see, it is this branch with the capital B, the stump of Jesse that satisfies our need for a priest and a king as well. And it's he that will rebuild the temple. He is the one ushering in a new kind of kingdom with a new kind of temple, with a new kind of people to live in this kingdom. The temple is rebuilt. The work is fulfilled. The word of the Lord says that this work will be accomplished and there's no room for failure. This is what Zechariah 6 says. He will build the temple. Not he might. There's no room for failure. It will be accomplished And this work started as just a small branch born in a lowly manger to a lowly girl and her carpenter husband in a remote town called Bethlehem. And it branches out into the world. And the temple then is no longer made of stones and bricks and mortar, but is restored and rebuilt from the rubble of our lives out of the sin and out of the misery and built out of flesh and blood. Jesus restores the ruin of our lives as this priest, as this king. And he has indeed branched out into all of the world. Then Jesus does this in our lives as well, doesn't he? For often Jesus works in this way. He starts out with a small call in our lives. And over time, he begins to fill us and fill us with more knowledge of himself, more knowledge of grace, and he restores our brokenness. He restores our lives, our hearts, our souls to live in this new kind of kingdom with a new kind of temple, with a new kind of king. He shows himself to us as trustworthy, as righteous, as, as merciful, as gracious. And the Holy Spirit breathes this new life into us and we begin a new life And as we grow in grace, the branches grow and grow until he fills us completely with himself. And the beauty of this is that he does this not only in us, not only in this little section of Arlington, Texas, but as it says in Zechariah chapter 6, but the nations will come. The nations will come and help build this temple. It's the nations of the world, of people of All colors, all tongues, all tribes, all nations will be a part of this temple. And so this is the fulfillment of Zechariah 6, that people from all over will help build this temple because people from all over are the temple. And this is the vision. This is a new kind of kingdom with a new kind of people, with a new kind of king, a priest king. 
And Zechariah 6 tells us this will happen. And friends, we are a part of that accomplishment. This grace is for all people, from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The Spirit has indeed created and restored a new kind of kingdom. One defined, again, not by race or creed or color, but rather by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Each of whom is engrafted into this new kingdom, into the vine, into the vine of the branch. The branch who sacrificed himself as our priest and sits enthroned as our king. $39 million is a lot of money. More than I can imagine. St. Edward's crown, as we saw, is beautiful and glorious and its prestige and its power and its position and all of the things that it shows to us. It carries with it a wonderful story of a family history of, of Camelot, maybe, and all of these kind of romantic things that we like to think of of the crown of England. It, it just has that story along with it, doesn't it? We know it, and $39 million is a lot of money. $4 billion, the compilation, the compilation of all of the crown jewels is a lot of money. But there is another crown. You can put that crown up. The crown that eclipses the crown of England. The crown of thorns. Is there a more beautiful crown than the crown of thorns? There is not. Is there a more valuable crown than the crown of thorns? You see, this crown is not made of silver or gold. This crown is made of thorns and of wood. And it's placed on the head of our Savior. There's no more valuable crown than the one that is stained with our Savior's blood, the blood that washes us clean and restores our hearts and our souls and our lives. There's no more beautiful crown than the crown of thorns which washes over our lives to give us grace and mercy and love and kindness. It is as beautiful as anything as it is covered in the blood of our Savior that washes our stains away. A crown adorned with the jewels of grace, adorned with the jewels of love, of mercy, of kindness, of restoration. You see, the priest has accomplished his work on the cross. The king has accomplished his work as he defeated sin and death and the grave. We were once enemies far off. We were once a part of the nations that were far away. And the Lord has brought us near. Through this crown, he brought us near. For he has restored us, our lives and our hearts. And Paul tells us that the temple of God is where the Spirit dwells, and the Spirit dwells within us. Friends, this is no fairy tale like Camelot. It's not some outdated Old Testament story. This is the reality of grace. For out of our lives of rubble and ruin and sin and misery, this crown, the crown of thorns, restores us. Restores us and places us into a new body, into a new kingdom, 
ruled by a new king. The kind of king that loves and serves. You see, Zechariah 6 was meant to be an encouragement to the people of Israel as they were rebuilding. A people returning from exile to restore and to rebuild the temple, the wall, and the city. It was meant to encourage them to see that the Lord will indeed accomplish His work. But this then is meant for us to gaze afresh upon the beauty of the crown of thorns, to be encouraged that the Lord has accomplished everything you need and He has brought you into His kingdom by grace and love and mercy. He has restored us out of the rubble and the ruin of our lives. And so then we are to be about the same mission, the same mission of restoration of not only our lives, but the lives of this church and our city and of our family and our friends, to be about the mission of restoring all things and making all things new, just as He has made us new and made us in the restoration of His temple, to make things right, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves to live in grace and compassion, to live in meekness and in gentleness and kindness and patience, just as the Lord has shown us. You see, because the Lord has restored us through this glorious and beautiful crown of thorns. And so as we walk from here, may we restore lives in goodness and grace because this is what He's done for us. This is what the person Jesus Christ our priest, our king, our prophet, has done for you and has done for me. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for what you have accomplished for us, for your grace and your mercy, how you've laid down your life for us. And so as we go from here, may we be the kind of people that live in this new kingdom under the reign of a new kind of king one that wants to see us in your presence and ushers us in. And so, Lord Jesus, go before us with the crown of thorns upon your head. We pray this in your name. Amen.